This is the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt here on the Shift. Our uh, normal time, we haven't done it in a couple of weeks, to go to KMOX and see what's up with Ryan Recker down in St. Louis. Do we have Ryan? Hello, Shane. How are you? There he is. Hey, buddy. Sorry we're late. <laughs> I was trying to... No, you're fine. I was actually listening to some of your commercials. And can I just make a general observation? If <laughs> I was running the radio station in Canada, I would come up with the most cartoonish Canadian accent voice actors I could. And I'd really <laughs> lean into it. But you guys don't do that. No, we don't all sound like that. I mean, I, well, like... I would make the impression that you do, though, just because <laughs> to me it's, it stands out more. As in, I really, I would lean into it as if it's something that is part of the culture and you have to talk that way. Well, I think that's, I mean, I'm proud of that. I, I like it when Canadians sound like Canadians, eh? So, like, if you want to come buy a new car, <laughs> you come see us, eh? Because we're going to take care of you. Don't ever worry about exactly. it. Exactly. You want a guy exactly. like that? Well, there, there's so many great comedians that were really popular in the 80s and 90s from Canada that... Mm. They would make those type of skits, and they would mm. do those type of things for an American audience who had no idea because they're just completely oblivious to it. Now, I grew up in Detroit, so we had CBC, and I used to watch Channel 9 CBC all the time. And so I got a pretty good idea of what Canadian television was like. So when I saw them mocking it, I thought, oh, this is nothing. Like, it really is. But it was just kind of fun to lean into it, I guess. Yeah, we do too, though. We go through that as well. I mean, as Canadians, we often say America. You know, where are you going, America? <laughs> <laughs> so we do it, too. Yeah, I'll even do it in the news. Well, down in America today. So I guess it goes both ways. Like it's it. only fair, right? Yes, it does. <laughs> well, things that we learn when we connect the two countries, the United States and Canada on The Late Shift. Which, true. by the, the way, uh, how's mm. things been going? How many shows have you hosted so far, The Late Shift? Oh, man, I couldn't tell you. It's been a run. Uh, I, I don't know. I think that I had Saturday off. And so mm -hmm. I think I've had three days off and I've done because the, the ability to uh, some music shows, I still do some music shows, but I pre-record those mostly. And uh, I'm not able to be there live because I'm doing these ones, but I pre-record some of those shows. And I think I'm at 27 shows in 22 days or something like that. Or, wow, or 20, that's a lot. 27 shows in 24 days, something like that. It's been a bit of a run, but whatever. It's, you know, I'm working and there's so many people in both of our countries that are sitting there staring at the radio right now going, at least you're working. And I agree. Like, I, hey, I'm not yeah. complaining, although it has been a bit of a slog. How are you doing? You had some time off. Yeah, I had. A, so basically, I took a couple of uh, days off and went to a friend's wedding. And then uh, it was very limited. It was much like um, you would expect. So it was in a giant, beautiful Catholic church in Detroit. And it was just unbelievable, the detail and the materials they used for this thing. All of this planned out well in advance. And then it was the bridal party, the groomsmen the bride and groom, the priest, and the parents, and that was it. Hmm. And unfortunately, the place was basically just the, the few of us because of the restrictions because of COVID. So mm -hmm. th they went through with the wedding, and it's just unfortunate with the way it went. But a lot of people were able to watch it online. People have adapted to it. So I went to that in Michigan. Then uh, I filled in on our sister station down the hall, so I missed some of the show here on Overnight America because of that. And so I've been keeping busy, just not as busy as you, it sounds like. Yeah, well, I we'll see what happens. I don't know. It's the rest of the summer. We'll be riding it out. So you're stuck with me for a few more weeks, Ryan. Either way, it is what it is. <laughs> well, you're probably trying to figure this out, too. You know, how, how long and how where is this going to go type of deal? I, I understand how those type of situations go. And, you know, Such you're right about is. working right now. 
so many so many people are still worried about it here in the United States. We should be getting some unemployment numbers in, this Friday. So they release them for the previous month, the first Friday of the next month. And that's what we're going to be waiting for to see if we've actually gain some jobs. The other thing is schooling here. We're still trying to debate what to do with it. It seems like most of the schools in this area have decided to start with virtual learning. I'm curious what the debate's like in Canada. Are, are people even upset, or what are you guys going to do when it comes to schools this year? Well, it's different province to province, like it would be state to state. That's really how it's run here. Um, so the, uh, you know, most areas are going back that that's really what it is now they've got new all protocols about spacing and everything else and there's an awful lot of conversation about should kids would be wearing masks when they go back to school um i don't know how you keep a mask on a six-year-old at school that's going to be the thing and then i know that in depending on the school district and everything else it is a little bit different um maybe a blend in some scenarios where you're there for four days or three days and then you're online learning for a couple some of the classing is going to be different like band and choir gym class some of that stuff depending on the district is going to be different and some different districts are offering a certain number of people if you don't want to come you don't want to come you will give the online learning as well so it's going to be interesting to see which way it goes. For the most part, I would say, if I could summarize the Canadian perspective, which is pretty broad to try to summarize, I would say that everybody understands that something needs to happen, that just the social fact for the kids and all these things need to happen. But I'm not quite sure that every, everyone's very cautiously optimistic, optimistic that they could pull this off. I know that some of the grandparents are basically saying, look, we're going to have to just only FaceTime and video call with the grandkids for the first eight weeks, just because we're just staying away because of the germ pits that are children anyway. Um, so they don't pass it the on, right? Like if someone hits, well, yeah, you know, <laughs> kids are all like germ pits, man, all the time. So, uh, but they, so like just in case, you know, like if a kid's got it on his hands, goes to the mall or gets a, you know, got some sort of virus, goes see grandma and papa, big hug, big kiss, you know, and then, you know, the kid, it doesn't bother the kid, but it does bother the grandparents. So, you know, that kind of stuff has been, uh, you know, there's so many unknowns. I think that everyone's cautiously optimistic by going back to school. I know the plan at this point is, you know, some places in Ontario, depending on the district, go back as soon as two weeks from now. Um, some go back in four weeks. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And this, it's an interesting situation because it sounds like you guys are making it work here in the United States. It, there, I would say a uh, wide majority of the parents want to send their kids back to school, but it's the pushback from the teachers. The, uh, the mm -hmm. polling that goes on is a lot of the teachers don't want to participate with in-school learning. They prefer the virtual, and it's a kind of a mixed bag. There are a lot of school districts that are going to strictly virtual learning to start the year in hopes to pick up a, a couple of months down the line and hopefully before the end of the year that they're back in the classroom. Some school districts are allowing for in-person, but it's it seems like the trend is to start with the virtual, and a lot of parents are upset with that. They don't want to see that happening. Uh, for your guys' sake, for your teacher's sake, what you see is the different website articles and the ads and things of the teachers' unions that are saying that we don't want to put our teachers back into these classrooms. Do you see any pushback from them in Canada? No, I mean, there are. There are a lot of teachers that are concerned and everything else. Um you know, I don't see the the union action in in Canada is there, but I don't see it's quite as strong politically as it is in the states. Um, so it's not quite the same battle. I mean, there are certainly are concerns. There's concerns about you know teachers who you know say teach science, so they would be in front of three, four classes, different classes in a day. So yeah, I mean, and I think that there has been a lot of conversation about the fifty fifty five year old, sixty year old teachers and how they're impacted. Um, so that's a thing, but I haven't seen such political. 
um, battles as the unions versus the government that I've seen coming out of the States. Cause you're, you're, you have a daughter, right? And she's young though, right? Well, I have a son who's going oh, to enter kindergarten this year and Sorry, poor him. I, I told him, you know, you're going to experience something that'll be completely different from what other people experienced in when they first went to school. And you're not going to know any different. You're not going to know any better. You're think you're going to think this is normal, which isn't. So that it's really been tough for us inside the house because we have to figure out how we're going to because we're in, we're in a district where we start with the virtual learning. And what they're going to do is, you know, put out the computer or iPad or whatever. But we got another little girl on the way in a month. So we're going to have a second one here soon. Well, thank you. But the thing is, we can't have him in the living room because we'll have other things going on during the day. So we're going to set him up in his bedroom. And I thought, man, he's going to hate being in his bedroom because he's going to be sitting there six hours a day. We're going to still have to keep an ear on him. We can't just let him go un, uh, you know, for uh, unsupervised for six hours as if. Mm-hmm. So we're still going to have to keep an eye and watch him. So it's adding extra work. And then, of course, the demands of the baby means we're going to be preoccupied in certain times. So if he needs something right then and there, we're not always going to be able to, to rush to him, depending on what the situation looks like. So it could be a mess. I, we just don't know. I, we're going to try it. My wife's seriously considering doing homeschooling because it's just more controlled that way. And even with a baby, she feels like he can probably get a better experience out of it. So there's so many questions with it. And Missouri, which is the state here in St. Louis, um, is in, it's very friendly to homeschoolers. So there's a lot of resources and things that you can do. And it's just that that's the question mark right now. If if it's going to be better off for him to even get limited time with mom homeschooling than it would be for sitting in six hours in front of a screen until they open the schools back up. And I think there's a lot of parents that are going to be faced with it and have to figure out what to do next. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be hard either way. Are you doing the show from home or are you in the studio? Nope, still from home. But when I yeah. filled in down the hall, I went in to studio and I spent some time in there. But now back into the basement, I'm wearing my pajamas, just in case you were wondering. Thank and you. I'm still, um, you know, just basically the setup I had before and getting back into it. Yeah, I like to call it my my home uh, my home broadcasting attire, um, and so that's uh, that's <laughs> a thing um, because I did my PJs yeah. <laughs> is not a go okay, but yeah. Are you part of any of these radio groups on Facebook? Not really. No. Should well, there's certain communities of radio people, and just recently one of them posted a long thread of radio people working from home. They posted a photo of what their setup looked like. And I realized very quickly when it comes to American radio, we are all scraping things together because we know our company's not providing us with like, you know, here, we're going to upgrade your home system break or things like. So I'm looking around and I'm like, man, I thought I did stuff on the cheap. I feel like I'm mid-range, and I was doing stuff on the super cheap. So I, it makes me feel pretty good that it's like That's Band good. of Brothers. We get things done when we need to. Um, you know, we're very resourceful, and I, I feel like as radio, we, we we just get it done when we have to. I kind of admired all the people after seeing their home studios. I do. I would agree with you. It's been pretty remarkable. And there's a lot of times, you know, they, we always used to say, or programmers used to always say to us, and this is a little behind the wizard's curtain for all the audience listening, is that, you know, don't talk about what happens behind the scenes. People don't care about that. Well, I can tell you one thing um, from the audience, the amount of things that have gone on and the amount of people that uh, comes together to be able to make this stuff happen at a time like this uh, from home 
is uh, it's remarkable. And I don't know how many people will exchange with in a day uh, just to make sure that everything's connected. And, you know, the, I'm just on a digital mic now. I was on a, you know, a, a traditional microphone, but now it's just digital microphone. Like, so the amount of things that change and making things happen, it's absolutely mind blowing. And I do wish the audio could, or the audience could see it. I wish the audience could see what it takes uh, to make this stuff happen on a normal day. I think that a lot of the opinions would change about, you know, how, oh, why don't you talk to me for longer? Or why don't you, you know, talk to this person, <laughs> um, you know, go find out why this is happening in the government. And it's like, Oh God, if I only had the time. And um, yeah. those are great ideas and we love the ideas, but some things we just can't fulfill all the ideas. And so I yeah. wish the audience, could you know see what that, someone, right? yeah. You know what someone asked me for today? And this is the first time since working in St. Louis, someone asked me this. They wanted me to send them an autographed headshot through the mail. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you guys of still you? do printed headshots? <laughs> <I'm just> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's usually someone's phone in the hallway. That's about it. I mean, we did some photos a couple of years ago. Like we're, we have a, a network of TV stations attached to us. So they often will bring the, the fancy TV dress you up people. Um, mm -hmm. I'll send you one of the ones I got. I felt so uncomfortable. And there's like a guy who's like dressing me and primping me and everything else. It was weird for me because I'm like, dude, I'm on the radio. No one's going <laughs> to recognize me. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Radio personalities used to be big time stars, and it's just not like that anymore. Unfortunately, it's not. So I, I, radio personalities I knew, they would have printed stock, card stock or whatever it was of their headshot, and then they would carry around markers or whatever, and they'd hand autographs out to people because they would that's request good. them all the time. You just don't that's see good. that anymore. No. Is no, that you something? Don't. No, it is. You usually just get a tweet about saying you suck, and that's about it. So, <laughs> not you, me, not you. I'm not saying you suck. I'm saying this no, is where I, I make it weird, right? I didn't mean to make it weird. I you, anyway. You no, you don't. Saying. It's like I don't know how many people I've had to mute on social media or whatever just because of that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the way it goes. I got in trouble You're today right. for you... telling telling a, a listener. I got an email today from a listener telling me that even when they came on the air, and I told them right up front, "Look, we're short on time." Um, and then I was still cut him off and he was still upset. So it just happens. Some people you can never make happy. Oh, I know. Yeah. E even with the expectations on that sort of thing, you just got to do your best and try to uh, work out the rest, I guess. So yeah, that's true. where we are. And well, you know, I'm, what? I'm just the, hoping that it works out. Well, I think the neat part of the conversation is that the, I hope that the audience can hear from this place is that that's just how grounded and re real it is now. I mean, we are sitting here literally with our feet up. It was so hot on Thursday night when we did the show. I was trying to find a way because I have a, a patio off my office. I was trying to find a way to get my microphone outside so I could get in my hammock for the nice cool air outside because it was hot inside. And, um, you know, I mean, that's just the reality of working from home. Sometimes you, you know, got to take the trash out or I got planes flying over. And so I hope everyone can hear them. Okay. Um, but it's happening. Oh, it's yeah. The reality of what it that's, is today. that's what I'm worried about. Like, when, I'm going to take some time for paternity leave when we have the baby. But after that, what happens when the baby starts crying? You know, yeah, it could absolutely. be the middle Bring of the on. show. You start to hear that. Then what happens? Next? I think uh, the listeners will have to relive that again. Now, I'm guessing most of the listeners at late night are pretty up there in age. So they're probably past the point where they're used to hearing crying babies this time of night. But then again, maybe I'll bring back some memories to them, and hopefully they don't have any traumatic stress from having to wake up and feed a baby this late. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's good. I look forward to it. Congratulations, it, uh, preface. Congratulations. I mean, that's awesome. You're going to be uh, you're yeah, gonna love having I'm, a daughter. I'm... Having a daughter is different, brother. We can talk about that next week. Let's do that. Let's talk about life yes, with a please. daughter. How about that? I know, and I'm scared. They, they say that boys cause trouble and girls are trouble. So I, I don't know if that's true, but it scares me because I, I know the experience is going to be different. <laughs> well, there you go. You just had the hook to next week. Thanks so much, Ryan Recker.
Thanks, Shane. Good to hear from you. There it is. Oh, that makes. I'm used. So I'm used one. to the question starting first. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay with Major League Baseball continuing COVID affected? Yes or no? Mm, no. No. Mm, uh, that would be a hard, a hard no. Like for in, t- me. in terms of my personal enjoyment, I, I like it. But in terms of my brain, uh, a no. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> okay, so if let me create some hypotheticals for you then. If baseball put a full stop and said, whoa, 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 we're going to do like the NBA and the NHL. We're going to create some hub cities. We're going to limit travel. Everyone plays inside those hub cities. Then would you be okay with it? No. No. What's the difference? Are you I, okay I, with I, hockey? I, no. I'm okay, very happy no. that hockey's back. Don't get me wrong. I, I watched... I watched chunks of most of the games today, but I still don't think hockey should have resumed. Okay. Chris? Why are we playing baseball again? (laughs) I'm like, why is this a thing that's happening? Like, Mm -hmm. should we do the Olympics as well? Like, screw it. Should we all just, you know, run around, run around naked, making out with each other? Like, I don't know. I don't don't get it. There's a pandemic going on. If I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like I, I like baseball. I think baseball is cool. I'm a White Sox fan. Don't know anything about them. Please don't ask me. But I, <laughs> I chose. Um, of all I the sock that. colors, you like the white ones. Well, my partner's from Chicago, so oh, there you go. I got a, I got a South Side. Um, but yeah, like I, I like them, and they're a good team, and I support their success in all of their baseball ventures. But I think 2020 is maybe the year to just, you know, let, let it go for one year. Mm-hmm. Just let it go. Okay. So inside the bubble so far, things have been pretty good inside the bubble. See, I would agree. I would agree that this, the, I think the, the, the Blue Jays decision and the traveling to Canada decision was the right decision. I think that bringing multiple teams in freewheel and traveling is not okay. I think we're seeing the result of that so far in the, uh, endless list of positive tests that are going on and games being postponed. Can you imagine these uh, poor scheduling people trying to figure this stuff out? My goodness. Yeah. But with all that stuff going on, the part that I just really gets me the most is why are they still traveling? Right? Yeah. I mean, I like the sports. I, I, I'm more of a life's got to go on a little bit if you can control it a little bit. Um, you know, it's economics, there are jobs, there's hotel rooms, there's all kinds of support and stuff in there. So I get that part. Um, and it's entertaining because there's nothing new on TV, so that's probably good for people's you know, sanity as well. Um, but I just can't believe they travel. That's the part that I don't get. If they bubbled it up, I'd be like, all right. But that would be a lot of people because baseballs have a lot of team or a lot of players. Oh my God. Yeah. And uh, sorry, go ahead. Go on, Andrew. No, no, Andrew, Andrew. Okay. Andrew. Okay. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll talk. Uh, just the, the way that the MLB has handled this to me has just been, you know, from a, from a, from a layman's perspective, it's just been horrendous. Like, imagine, you know, watching every other, you know, major, you know, major league sport across the world that's been essentially trying to come back to normal and they're all taking all these precautions and the MLB is like, eh, we're not going to do all of that. That's okay. It's fine. It's, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Stop it. It's okay. Stop it. Chris, you, baseball. Chris, you looked incredibly concerned there for a second. Are you okay, or did you like a hyper? Oh yeah, or something? no. I um, I just googled. You asked the question, why are they why are they traveling? So I just did a quick Google of uh, 
COVID deaths in the USA today. Can you guys still hear me, by the way? Yeah, I'm having you're phone good. issues. Yeah, 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 you're good. yeah. I googled COVID deaths in USA today, and it has yesterday's deaths at 1,207 in one day. So my question, rather than why are they traveling, is why is everyone not just locked in their houses, ordering, you know, food to their door? Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, like, yeah, I think I, I, yeah, I love sport, but I'm just like, that's, what ha- that's what's happening in Melbourne. They've essentially oh Melbourne's out of control, man. Yeah, Melbourne like, is out of control. They've got an eight a.m. to five uh, eight eight a.m. to five p.m. curfew or something like that. Um, yeah. you know they are they are clamping down big time because they got complacent and all it takes is one person in a in a in a crowded space and yeah. we're back. <laughs> well, well, you know what was happening in Melbourne, right? No, tell us. Well, uh, as I think Drex talked about this a while ago, is that the uh, the security guards at the quarantine hotels, they were um, not exactly very well vetted. They weren't the job interviews were not very thorough, and uh, they weren't very well paid. And they ended up that ended up that they uh, were doing a bit of you know, with the with the people in the uh, quarantine hotels, a bit of the really, but a bit of the hanky panky with uh, you the can't people. Stop yeah, love, and that's. Man. Well, I mean, everyone wants some love, but nobody wants a virus, you know. It's true. So, um, it's yeah, I, I, yeah, I think uh, safety first. So that was happening. And, Condoms uh, so don't stop down. Corona either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put put that on a license plate. Yeah, but like a bumper sticker. But like, yeah. So they they um, <laughs> there's also I think there's one part of the city where where they locked down first, and that part of the city had to lock down. And meanwhile. Everyone else got like ten days to just go out for their smashed avocado and their brunches and get their fix before they had to lock down. But yeah, now now the whole the whole state is just absolutely which really sucks because they were paying full tilt for that, right? They were basically like, "Here, we're going to put you up here. You're going to isolate everything else." But really, we just basically gave you a vacation and a little side action. Here's a side piece for you. I think it depends. I know that in New Zealand. Um, if you travel with, if you quarantine with your family, it's really nice because you know you get a you have to get a bigger hotel room. Um, you probably get a, a nicer hotel in that case, in which case all the food is made in the hotel restaurant, um, so you get nicer food. Um, I think if you're just traveling by yourself, then they might just slap you up in some motel somewhere by the side of the road. Hmm, so uh, I think I think it definitely varies. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, it is interesting. One texture says if they really want to play baseball, they should do it remotely with EA games and just televise it. Problem solved. Word. Technically, that's what yeah. they're doing. If it's, if the video games thing, but playing video games, just to be clear and all, you know, it doesn't make you an athlete. I just think that that feels like that needs to be said right now because it is fun to watch video games online, but that doesn't make you an athlete. It's not quite the same thing. I realize that it might get there in real life one day, but, um, it's not quite the same thing. All right. See, I have I have a problem with the way baseball is doing it. I think that basketball and hockey are nailing it if it's going to happen. So uh, those are my thoughts. Clearly, we all uh, have different opinions here on the show. That's the, the validity of the show and the way it goes. 877-399-9898. Are you okay? Another one. There it is. Are you okay with USA cracking down on TikTok? Are you okay with... I'm, are you okay with TikTok? Um, I'm okay with the kids. You know, I'm on. I'm on the. I'm on the kids side. The kids are the future, and uh, if they're TikToking, I uh, I support them. Yeah, I, I'm not against. You know, the idea of of the app and of the people. You know, making their. You know, having their five minutes of fame on it. I think it's great. 
um, you know, when when I was, you know, throwback to, you know, hundreds of years ago when I was younger, uh, we had Vine, right? And that was kind of the thing for a number of years until Vine shut down. And so, uh, you know, at the time, of course, being the wannabe contrarian nerd that I was, I was like, oh, Vine sucks. Um, but, you know, in retrospect, it was awesome because it it fit who we were at the time and perhaps it's just that the model that tiktok uses just fits what's happening right now uh you know whether or not you know whether the it's nefarious uh upbringing in china uh being another story uh i'm okay with tiktok itself i'm definitely i definitely think you should uninstall it though yeah all right so i'm gonna uninstall it (laughs) let me ask you this because some of the assertions that have come from the app experts have been this if tiktok is doing nothing but claiming the same information as every other app out there, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, then are you okay with TikTok? Because they're all claim- they're all grabbing the same info. If 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 it is the truth that it's you know the same amount of info, the same level of info as you know Facebook or Twitter. I mean, in principle, like you know, just on a surface level, I don't like it. But here I am with you know a Twitter account and a Facebook account. Uh, so maybe I shouldn't say anything. So if it, it is the case that it's just, you know, the same info, then you know what? It, you make that choice, right? It's meant to be right, more enough. info, I think. That's what I heard is that yeah, it's meant I've, to be, I've heard meant that to be it's, a harder vacuum. I've heard that it's a lot more information than what Facebook or Instagram uh, will skim from you. Yeah, well, um, the, the the data that I had a conversation with an, an app expert guy, maybe we should have uh, that on while we talk about this so we can speak to the expert specifically and have the audio to back it up, was that it literally, like the copy-paste info, all of the uh, keystroke info, all that stuff, they all grab. So that's interesting. Let me ask you this then. Are you okay with TikTok if it gets bought by Microsoft? I don't know. I, 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 I can't offer an opinion on it until i see what you know what the outcome of that would be you know in theory i think you know it would be better but i don't know well that would take out the whole equation of the the information going to the chinese government and a, a company that's owned by the chinese government so you know that would be that would be the thing so here's the story line the story does say do we have audio for this one or no yeah we yeah, do we do all right let's get the let's get the audio and see what's up it appears to be harmless, but politicians and experts are sounding the alarms. The Chinese-owned app is raising concerns about potential security issues with personal data. I'm now joined by Queen's professor, David Skillicorn. David, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, I want to dive right into it. So what are your concerns with TikTok? Well, there's really three different problems with TikTok. Um, the first is the one that bothers the U.S. government, and that is that TikTok is owned by a Chinese company. And so when push comes to shove, they can be forced to surrender all of their data to the Chinese government. And that's a fairly obvious kind of concern, at least at an international level. The second issue is one that we've kind of become used to, and that is that TikTok is really grabby about our personal data. So I mean, that's not new. Lots of apps on our phones try and grab our personal information. But TikTok is kind of at the high end of that. Somebody did an experiment where they turned on TikTok for the first time and it uploaded half a megabyte in the first nine seconds. So that's like 120 pages of information in in nine seconds. So that's even by Facebook standards, that's fairly impressive. All right. So there's uh, there's a um, there's a good snapshot of all the things. That is one way to tell, by the way, is that if you look at your apps and you have like a 
flashlight app that has uploads of hundreds of megs, then you know for sure that, uh, take a while, guess what's happening? Your dad is moving. Do you guys know, like, when he talks about, like, it's taking all your information and all your data, what is this? We're talking about metadata, or we're talking about, like, what information is this app actually collecting? Some of it's um, like even opinion. your contacts. It can be your contacts. It can be, you know, your keystrokes. One of the scariest ones with TikTok, I know, is your copy-paste. So every time you copy something, even if you're in the email app, that you go and you copy a segment of email to paste it into another email or whatever, that, that that's the kind of stuff gets captured. That's the scary stuff would be that stuff. Hmm. Yeah. So I would say that I'm probably the same as Andrew, which is that I think you should uninstall it. And, but I also know that like, like the, the, the medium, the medium of what it, whatever the app is being used for to communicate to other people, where it be dancing or singing or whatever, that will never go away. It's just the form that it comes in. And it sounds like I'm not, I'm not very knowledgeable on the subject, but it sounds like TikTok is probably not the, the best vehicle. Well, I had apps with my business before, and man, oh, man, you can grab a lot of info. There's no denying that. Like, you can get a lot of information and being able to tell where people are, where they open the app, all that kind of stuff. Location services is a big one. So it is quite remarkable to the amount of information that you can get. So that's the thing. But if Microsoft buys it and they do a security check on it and they ensure that the data is being kept in North American servers, because they were looking at uh, TikTok for the United States, for Canada. They were looking at it for... Um, uh, Australia, New Zealand, really sort of Western cultures, if you will, that, that Microsoft would have a heavy footprint in. They, they did that. And then Trump said down in the States, they're giving uh, ByteDance, the company that owns TikTok, 45 days to negotiate a sale of it, or um, they're pulling the pin on it in America. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of it. Um, I don't know what kids are going to do. I mean, that's, holy moly, that's the COVID, that's the COVID cure for most kids. They're going to go outside and play hoop and stick again. Oh, right. Oh, could what the trap? Could you imagine? Goodness gracious, going outside and doing things with you know physical like oh no, no, seeing other people. Why would they? Okay, that's that's silly. (laughs) There's a human walking by. It's a human, but it's it's not on a screen. You know, uh, you know, you know, as much as I'd like to, you know, be patronizing to people who use TikTok, a lot of the stuff that I've seen on there is legitimately quite useful. I've seen. Uh, I've, I've, I've seen, uh, I've seen literal, uh, uh, tutorials on CPR. I have seen, uh, especially around the, the, the Black Lives Matter protests. I've seen, uh, aftercare, mm-hmm. uh, if you've been pepper sprayed, if you've been hit by a, by a rubber bullet, uh, there it's, it's, it's frankly amazing to me that, you know, out from what is, you know, on the surface just a place for, you know, kids and people to make videos and screw around and have fun. Uh, that they're making use of what is a really popular platform to spread useful, helpful messages. Uh, and I think that's, that's a neat little side effect of, of, of social media is that there's always going to be people who are going to be looking to use it uh, for the greater good, as much as there are go, all the people who are trying to use it to steal your information. I'll go a completely different direction and say that the more humans are given opportunities to self-express themselves the better world this will always be. Yep. And the, uh, the more opportunity people will have to sing and to dance and connect with the vibration of music, um, the better this world will be. Even if it is really cheesy pop songs, the fact that it's encouraging kids to dance 
I think is one of the most remarkable things about it. As long as it's safe for everybody's information, I can't imagine. I mean, it's really killing the music industry because it's causing these supernova burnouts of songs for young people. So that's a problem for radio and music providers and record labels, definitely. But it's really, um, it's really quite amazing to think if there's a whole generation of people that have no problem between Fortnite and TikTok, literally stopping and dancing on a street corner out of the blue and not being shy to do that. Now that's a world yeah, I can subscribe. That is true. To. I love it. I love it when I come across like um, a TikTok shoot in the wild. You know, like if I'm through, <laughs> in the wild. Yeah, like if I'm walking yeah. through like an underpass in Vancouver and where I live, and like I come across some people just like roller skating backwards with the sound check playing, which happened to me on Friday. I'm like, I love it. Like, it's Were so you roller cool. Skating or like, did you come across? Oh, I was, I was, I was walking on my on my feet, um, but other people were roller skating to uh, to cool. a hip hop to a hip hop song. All right. And, uh, now that we've made ourselves sound old, do us a favor, get off our lawns and pass us our cardigans. Andrew Ferreira is here and we should dig into some of Andrew's uh, science and weird science. Let's do it. All right. Uh, so there was that, that, you know, the, the splashdown. We talked about this earlier uh, tonight a little bit and we talked about how, you know, the SpaceX, uh, Bob and Doug uh, affectionately called that splashdown today. Uh, here's the audio from, uh, from the live stream. Splashdown. As you can see on your screen, we have visual confirmation for Splashdown. SpaceX copies and concurs. We see Splashdown and mains cut. Dragon Endeavor has returned home. NASA astronauts Bob and Doug. On behalf of the SpaceX and NASA teams, welcome back to planet Earth and thanks for flying SpaceX. (laughs) So... Why don't they just say gravity happened? Uh, I don't know why they don't say gravity happened. I mean, gravity happened, but other things also happened besides okay. gravity, like parachutes yeah. and uh, more parachutes and uh, what else? Uh, cool outer space space station maneuvering also happened. All right, fair enough. Uh, so there's there's a lot that goes into something like this. And, you know, splashdowns are kind of a relic of the Apollo era um, because after the Apollo era, you know, NASA had the space shuttles and those just kind of landed like planes. So it's kind of interesting that the uh, SpaceX, at least SpaceX's solution uh, to, to crude uh, transport between Earth and the space station and beyond uh, kind of harkens back to a bit of the old kind of you get to watch on video as the capsule with its, you know, with its uh, four parachutes kind of splashes down and the parachutes fall away as you see a bunch of uh, like rescue and retrieval boats speed out to the capsule. Uh, and, it, and it was really cool to watch. I, I didn't watch it live because I was passed out, but I did. Uh, I did essentially watch the highlights and uh, the live stream after the fact. And there's just something really cool about that moment when it hits the water and you see the boats kind of racing out towards it. Uh, it, it, there's a certain something to that, that, you know, shuttle launches or, uh, watching them, you know, kind of, uh, cushioned down in the, uh, in the Kazakh desert. It's not quite the same. And maybe it's just the nostalgia goggles for the Apollo program, but it's just kind of nice to watch. I think it's cool. I mean, I would never do it. <laughs> well. Yeah, but it's still pretty cool. I, I would do it. I, I I would do it. I think it'd be pretty yeah. cool. Put a helmet on, you'll be fine. Exactly. You know, they they know what they're doing for the most part. I'll take it. Uh, one of the things that I really liked, and I, I was super glad that I spotted this, uh, 
Doug Hurley, one of the astronauts, uh, when he was back on the ground, while they were kind of, and he says, bobbing around for five hours, uh, they actually made prank calls on their satellite phone while they were waiting oh, really? to be retrieved. <laughs> so a bunch of people on Twitter came out and uh, uh, a bunch of, they prank called a bunch of journalists who were at the site. They prank called uh, a couple of other like industry figures. Uh, and the one that made me laugh the most was uh, they prank called Anthony uh, Vareja. He is the, uh, he's NASA's uh, flight director. So he's actually the one at the console in mission control that is, you know, overseeing the flight operations. Uh, and he tweeted out, uh, it started with an opening line like, hi, it's Doug and Bob and we're in the ocean. And then he says, I think my response was, yeah, I can see that. Um, I just love that, you know, given the, you know, the possible danger and all that kind of stuff about this, it's almost refreshing in a way that these two astronauts who, you know, they're not young. They're also, they were also called the space dads. Um, you know, they're not, you know, spry 20 something year olds, you know, they're, 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 they've been around, you know, NASA since, you know, the, the, the heyday of the space shuttle. Um, it's just refreshing to know that they're also just, you know, a bunch of goofs who upon, you know, returning from space after two months in an experimental spacecraft, they decide, you know what we should do? We should just prank call people on our satellite phone. It's good. Like, imagine, imagine being on the receiving end of that, right? Like, how would you react? You feel like, oh, come on, get off your horse. You're not, you're not really. Yeah, but what if you what if it you got it, you doubted them, you dismissed them or whatever, and then found out, oh my god, that was actually them, and I told them to go away. Right. <laughs> so um, good. And then uh, uh, Anthony Varejo also said after the call ended, my uh, the communications uh, commander Megan Levin suggested that my response should have been, "quote Oh crap, was Splashdown supposed to be today?" Ah, uh, <laughs> that'd be good. That'd be very good. What do you uh, mean you're here? You're early. Come on, come on now. Get back up there. Stop it. Stop it. You're, you're, <laughs> That's good. You're, you're day early. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about here, and I'm looking at the clock, I'm going, how am I going to explain this in, you know, four minutes and counting? Um, but let's talk about quantum tunneling. Oh, that's all. Let's talk about, you know, it's, it's easy stuff. This is, you know, entry-level stuff. Uh, so quantum tunneling is essentially, I'll have you picture normal stuff first. There's a hill. Uh, there's a ball at the top of the hill, and uh, at the bottom of the slope, there's a little bit of a hump. A hump. So we roll the ball down the slope, and mm-hmm. under normal circumstances, it either has enough energy to go over that little hump and go down the other side, or it kind of stops and is stuck in the middle. Maybe. Right. Uh, that's just kind of how that works. Uh, with okay. quantum tunneling, though, sometimes the ball will reach the bottom of the hill and then just kind of disappear and then reappear on the other side of that hump regardless of whether or not it had the energy to go over it okay so scientists will say you know it looks like you know from a, from an from an observer's perspective that it tunneled underneath the little hill and just came out the other side um this is a phenomenon that has you know for the most part been kind of a oh, what the hell is going on here uh, for most scientists. Uh, and when they were first studying it, it was theorized that this phenomenon, this tunneling, uh, was close to, if not instant, as in it didn't, you know, it took either effectively zero time to do, or it took, you know, such an incredibly short amount of time that we could call it zero. Hmm. Uh, but actually, a team of researchers, some of them based out of the University of Toronto, uh, have come out with new findings uh, saying that no, it actually uh, takes about a millisecond. Which is interesting because a lot of the, the science that we've done before this, 
um, showed that it would take, and here are some uh, units of time that you've probably never heard before, uh, but you can use these around your, uh, your Zoom water cooler meetings uh, tomorrow. Uh, the teams before, especially last year, there was one team that said that it would take about 1.8 atto seconds. Uh, that's zero, point, uh, 0 with 18 zeros, 1 seconds. Pretty quick. Uh, it's incredibly quick. Uh, one of the researchers also said the time delay could be uh, some number of, and this is my favorite one, zeptoseconds, Ooh. which is 0. 0.0 with 21 zeros behind it. Even quicker. That's, in, that's, that's an entire order of magnitude quicker. Um, and so these are, you know, for all intents and purposes, instant for folks like you and me. Well, um, technically not, but uh, I, can, I can flex. Exactly. Uh, but the University of Toronto team uh, found that it was about a millisecond. They kind of took a group of rubidium atoms. Rubidium's one of the elements uh, that behaves relatively nicely when you cool it down a lot. In order to do experiments with uh, with quantum mechanics, you have to have a very cool substrate. Uh, otherwise, just the inherent energy of things being at you know even room temperature uh, essentially makes the data unusable. Uh, so they kind of rolled in a way these rubidium atoms down to one one billionth of a degree above absolute zero and using lasers they kind of push them along which is you know as you do in your normal day jobs you use lasers to push around billionth of a degree clouds of rubidium uh, against a uh, like an optical barrier essentially something that would prevent you know light from going through and they wanted to measure uh, how much time would go through how much time it would take for an a- for a molecule or an atom of this to literally spend time inside the barrier because it's not really teleporting per se. It is a wave. And this is where the fun explanation comes in. And I got, you know, a dozen seconds for this. But when you get down to things, current science says that everything is a wave and a particle. It's not necessarily in one location. Mm-hmm. It is, there's a, a likelihood that it'll appear in, a, in a, an amount of, in a, kind of a spread of locations and when you look at it that spread collapses that's called the wave function that wave function collapses and you know the ex- and you know the location but when you're not observing it this particle could be in any number of locations and so the fact that it's not kind of there lends to itself to the thought that maybe that when it travels it's going through you know all these little permutations of its wave function it's not exactly anywhere it's everywhere at once. And so being able to, ter- uh, well, being able to attempt to track down um, a specific time that this takes has a lot of really cool um, kind of uses in quantum computing. Uh, because one of the big issues with quantum computing is wayward electrons will tunnel their way out of circuits and all that kind of stuff and wreak havoc uh, and cloud up the data. So the better we can understand how quantum tunneling works, the more reliable it is uh, that we can hope we can make quantum computing because that really is the next kind of forefront in computing. We're starting to get up to the point where we can't really make processors with silicon uh, that much smaller. They're already at, you know, seven nanometers uh, across and that's, you know, absurdly tiny. So for a lot of, you know, really intense calculation modeling, like modeling pandemics, modeling the, uh, the shape and size of the universe, modeling its beginnings and ends, these kinds of super intensive um, calculations need to be done with a quantum computer. 
And so every little bit we can learn about how things work at the quantum level, even if it means, you know, electrons quite literally being in a lot of places at the same time until you look at them, uh, the better off we'll be. Okay, so just to clarify. Yeah. There was a wayward laser beam and it made the splashdown happen everywhere? Kind of. Kind of. Okay, I got it. I got it. So the I laser beam pushes the thing and the thing kind of, it goes through, but we don't see it go through. It looks like it just vanishes and then reappears on the other side of the thing. All right. And that is a essentially magic, but well, it's not science. I'm taking this story to Facebook so I can be a doctor and a scientist. That's, exa- that's exactly it. <laughs> that's, that's cool stuff. I, I, You really got me with the happens everywhere, man, but nowhere at once. 